A little background. I uh, got a chance to uh, be employed where I work. And one of the things that I did not know when I started working there is every Wednesday morning, the, both the owners come and all of us, uh, the management team, gather up and we actually start our management uh, meetings with prayer, prayer requests and prayer. I didn't even know that when I started working there. Talk about a God thing. Blew me away. But then about a month in, they started asking me to do uh, devotions, real short little devotions right after the prayer. And I thought, oh man, I'm with these people more each day than I'm with my wife. Talk about knowing somebody, their true colors, you know, whenever I'm maybe a little tired in the mornings, maybe whenever I'm a little uh, not in a good mood, you know, so I was like, okay, this is a good challenge. And what I told myself was, I'm going to have to always watch, uh, not what I say, but be tactful uh, whenever I choose my topics to talk about. And I say that to say this, uh, tonight, I'm doing the same thing. I was going all different directions. In fact, I think I got a series I'm working on that could be uh, rolling in after this tonight. Uh, just flooded of different ways I thought about going. And finally, I kind of narrowed it down. I say, God, it's time I start getting something on paper because it's getting close. Uh, and sure enough, he, he pointed me in this direction and I needed to hear it. I needed to uh, hear what I'm going to be talking about tonight. And that's why I talked about that for a second, because uh, I don't want it to ever feel like I'm pointing fingers because I'm the one who really needs it. Also, who remembers the video of the fence? The guy that got offended, he carried a fence around with him. I talk about that all the time. I love it. I think it's hilarious. So I never mean to offend anybody tonight. If you're offended, I'm sorry. I promise it's not on purpose, so let's take our fence off, and uh, you know maybe we can actually learn something. But And you'll see why, because I'm going to get deep tonight. I'm going to uh, hit a lot of Scripture. And one of the reasons I'm going to be hitting a lot of Scripture is because I want to practice what I'm preaching. Who's heard that before? Most of the time, kids say, practice what you preach, right? Well, that's what we're doing. So, we're going to start in Romans 12.2. I'm going to be jumping around a lot tonight, but I'm going to mainly be focusing in Romans. So if you're following along, uh, that's kind of where I'm going to be. And if anybody does want notes or all the different verses I I, uh, quote tonight, I can get those to you. So while you're you're turning there, the reason that uh, this is kind of hitting me hard is because we just came out of Uh, Easter, right, straight into the revival, and I feel like us as a church body is, we're growing, you know, spiritually, and and we got people overseas doing amazing things, and God's moving. So why not challenge a little bit? Everybody, nobody likes a challenge, I'm sorry, but we're going to do it anyway, because I needed a challenge. I needed uh, a chance to actually dig in to God's word a little bit deeper. So Romans 12, 2. You guys all have it? See the part where it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind? That's what we're going to do. And because I don't want it to be Joe Costley's words, I want it to be God's word. 
we're going to be looking at a lot of Scripture. I'm not going to ask you to look it up for the guys to have it on the screen, but uh, I'm going to say them. And the reason I'm saying that, because I don't want anyone to be annoyed, for one, but also I want you to know that it's God's Word. So my question is, and I have it right here, how? How do we have the renewing of our mind? And I, what's that? Yes, be in the Word. And those of you that are here on a Wednesday night, I didn't see how many hands went up for Sunday school, but probably everybody. So we're, I'm kind of, you know, just a reminder, a refresher, because you guys are the ones that are the heart. You already have that desire to grow and learn. So let's dig in. So God's Word, that's what we do. Uh, whenever I'm digging in the Word, I like the the written word and not necessarily the electronic word even though the electronic word is handy especially when you're switching switching back and forth between versions but uh, as these guys have I'm going to be in the NIV uh, pretty much because that is what my study bible is that's where all my footnotes are and and so that's the version I'm going to I'm going to be in so hold your finger there and then jump over to Romans 10:9 If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen, right? That sounds pretty simple. That sounds like it's uh, pretty cut and dry. I also like that it says declare. Or in this version, confess. Mine says declare. Uh Is that easy? For us, it may be. Has it been easy all of our life? I don't know. Maybe, depending on how we were raised, it could have been. So if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I'm going to dig into that just a little bit, a little bit more, because uh, where it says Jesus is Lord. Lord. I want to focus on that. And I googled. The definition, the Google definition of Lord is someone or something having power, authority, or influence, a master or ruler. And the reason I want to focus on that and kind of look into that definition is because sometimes it's easy to read a verse. Sometimes it's say, yeah, that's me. I, I declare it. I'm going to uh, stand up for it and all day long. But then uh, we think about what that word Lord meant. And who was at the motive matters? The color. Any reds in here with me? I knew Pastor Landon was. Okay, I have my blue bracelet on because this is actually my wife's. Uh, but I'm a, I'm a red, a very dominant red. Um, I, I wear my wife's because it's a reminder of how I need to speak to her and treat her. and uh, She wears my red one most of the time. But anyway, so I'm a red. And reds sometimes have trouble with... Uh, authority. Sometimes we have a problem with someone ruling over us or the master of us. And uh, this is my uh, parents, by the way. My mother's right here. She could probably uh, give many situations. My dad's laughing. Um, I might have been a little stubborn as a child. Um, Yeah, a lot of bit, right? Uh, So 
whenever someone thinks they're going to rule over me or maybe even talk down to me, I get defensive. You're not going to talk down to me. Most of the time, it's because in my upbringing, I thought I was smarter than them. So why would I let them talk down to me? And so whenever it said, going back to the Google definition, having power over authority, influence, master, or ruler. So all of us have to look at that, not just the red personalities. All of us have to look at that and say, are we willing to let Jesus be the Lord of our life when it truly means the master control of? We give up our argument for what we think is right because Jesus is right and his word says he's right. So going back to that, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him for the dead, you'll be saved. Still easy to read. Still believe it. I know everybody in here does too. So what, what I want to do is I want to dig in to different areas that my life that God's had to work on me. And maybe, maybe he's working on you guys too or have uh, in the past. So uh, my background, uh, some of you know, is military. I try to get away from that mindset, but sometimes it's just, it's ingrained there. Uh, uh, Mac talked in Sunday school. Sometimes you just get trained and trained and trained so that you know what to do when it's right. So my, my mind thinks in acronyms. Who's heard the acronym B-I-B-L-E? There's actually probably a lot of them, but the one I know is basic instructions before leaving earth. And I know it's cheesy, but to me, it's true. To me, that just makes sense. So, this is where I'm going to be hitting a lot of scriptures. And uh, I did my best. I, I wasn't going to look them all up, and I did my best. I don't know if it's legal or not, but I copied and pasted from uh, one of the websites, uh, Bible Dictionary or whatever it is. So hopefully I got them right. If I didn't copy and paste them on here, you guys can correct me afterwards. And uh, also, I know that there's everybody in here has been in the Word. I know that. And there's probably a lot of verses that would have made more sense in these situations that I'm because I broke it down a little bit. But these are the ones that stood out to me. These are the ones that uh, really were, were already highlighted. God had already spoke to me before, and it, it just really resonated that that's what I wanted to talk about. Because when we talk about Lord, when we talk about giving up what we think we're in control of, we're, we're going to get a little deeper than just, oh yeah, Lord of my life, that's great. that should be great. <laughs> should be. So what about our temper? What about our speech? Even our thoughts? Our finances? Our marriages? Sometimes, when you start digging into stuff, it may be a little harder whenever you're talking about getting into the checkbook. A little harder when you talk about getting into your thoughts. Who believes thoughts, your thinking matters? It does, doesn't it? Because that's where it all starts. You don't do anything without thinking at first, consciously or unconsciously. So here we go. Our temper. I started with temper for a reason. Red personality. And uh, it's one of those things, I got a lot of highlights. I got a lot of places where God's showing me, hey, let's work on this over the years that I've been, God's been molding me. 
So Ephesians 4.26, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Colossians 3.8, but now you must also read yourself as all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. That hit two of them. So that goes me right into my speech. So that was just my temper. I have to let God, according to this verse, that it's not up there, but back there, Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Lord over our emotions. In the motive matters, he, he, he uh, explained our emotions very well. He had a, a bottle of water like this. And he said, this is you. This is you centered in Christ. And then he had a little toy uh, anger doll. And he said, this is you. But whenever anger comes, it comes attacking. And it tries to get you away from Christ where you're centered. But that's not you. You don't become that anger. You don't become who that little anger wants you to be. You can block that off. If you let Jesus be Lord and take care of that, then you don't have to worry about it. Well, you do have to worry about it. You can let God handle it for you. Okay, so our speech. Proverbs 8.21 The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 15, 4, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Matthew 12, 37, for by your word you will be justified by your, I'm sorry, for your word you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Matthew 15, 11, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth is what defiles them. There's many more. You guys are probably thinking of verses right now that have to do with our speech. But it matters. It matters to the point that God wants to be Lord. He wants to have the authority over our mouth. So let's go deeper, our thoughts. Philippians 4.8 Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Let's face it, in today's society, all we think about is negative stuff. All you turn on the news, all you hear is negative stuff. So this is telling us right here that we need to watch our thoughts. 2 Peter 3.1, dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Proverbs 14.15, The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. Ephesians 4, 22 and 23. I found this interesting. They're exactly the same. Two different servants, though, he's talking to. Uh, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by uh, deceitful desires, to make new the attitude of your minds. Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So our thoughts matter. And the last two things I'm going to talk about are maybe more outward. Our speech, you know, is more inward. Our thoughts are definitely inward. We can think horrible thoughts, but on the outside, our shell still looks good. We can still come to church and praise and worship and listen and sit in the pew and go to Sunday school and do all that stuff. But we can go through the emotions. Unfortunately, sometimes it's easy to do that. Sometimes Satan's just fine with you doing that because he knows your thoughts. So our finances, 
Matthew 25, 21 and 23. I'm sorry, this is the verse where it was both the same two servants. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Luke 16, 10 and 11. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy or handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? That's kind of hits home a little bit. (laughs) Because really, finances is something that I didn't understand. It was after God came into my heart, took control, and started showing me in His Word where those finances really matter. Why that tithing is important. Why giving is important. It's that action. It's that uh, step of faith. And the last one I'm going to ramble through these is marriage. So I was very careful on this one. Because there's a lot on marriage. And there's a lot of controversy on scriptures on marriage. So I took the easy route. And you guys can just think of the other ones on your own. 1 Corinthians 7.3, the husband should fulfill his marital duties to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Ephesians 5.25, husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You notice how there are more husbands in there? That's because I told you, I'm self-reflecting, not thinking about what people need to hear because God's working on me. And that's just going to reiterate that. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 7. You guys probably know this by heart. Love is patient. So I just feel like I could be like in front of a, like a wedding right now. You know, just somebody's about to say I do. And, you know, so nice and soft say, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Isn't that nice? That's nice. It's true, but it's not easy. <laughs> so, is anybody else feeling a little bit challenged? Because that's my goal. I wanted to challenge a little bit, but make sure I was challenging me. I didn't want to push blame. I wanted to uh, self-reflect. And so this is what I want us to do. I want us to put our name in there. Joe is patient. If I want him to be Lord, have authority over me, if I'm not patient, maybe that's something I need to work on. Joe is kind. Most of the time. (laughs) My wife's grinning. Most of the time, God's working on me. I want to be kind. I desire to be kind. Joe does not envy. That's pretty good. Joe does not boast. Joe is not proud. This Joe's not very proud, but the old Joe sure was. The BC Joe, he had all kinds of pride. Joe honors others. Joe is not self-seeking. Joe is not easily angered. See, I can't even say it without laughing. But that tells me 
right there. Joe is not easily angered. That's something I need to work on. That's something. Just in talking, I thought I was good on that. But that tells me that maybe I need to, my wife's giving me a look. Good, I can feel the look. (laughs) So, moving on. Joe is not easily angered. Joe keeps no record of wrongs. And so on. So were you guys able to put your names in there? I'm sure you guys maybe have heard that little uh, scenario before. As you look at those, if you see something that's standing out to you, just like Heather helped me acknowledge that maybe I need to work on how quick I get upset. If any of those are standing out to you, jot it down. Heather, make a note for me. Because this is really what I want to do. I really want to self-reflect. We've gone through Easter. We've gone through the uh, Randy Ruiz. uh, Thank you, revival. And now it was time for me to start self-reflecting because we've had some powerful moves of the Spirit. And if I don't do it inward... What's good about going through the emotions? So let's take a second to look at those. Keeps no record of wrongs. That's a big one in today's society. In fact, society will tell you to keep those records of wrongs. That was a big one in my BC days. Before Christ took a hold of my heart, it was so easy for me to store those things up. Because as soon as somebody tried to say something to me, I'd... Snap so quick. Like, oh, you're not going to talk down to me. I got this whole library of stuff that I know. But I kept record of wrongs. That's not love. Uh, In any way, I'm thankful that Christ has taken that away. Taking that away. So the next thing I'd like to talk about is I, I, I went through a study with a church that I went to before, and it's called Fan or Follower. Has anybody heard of that study? Some of you have? Okay, it was great. It was, I went through that study right when God was changing my heart, right whenever I was kind of at that pivoting point. Do I want to go all in, or do I want to just kind of go through the emotions? Because I grew up in church. I knew what you were supposed to do. I knew what you weren't supposed to say and what you weren't supposed to be at or where you weren't supposed to be at. I knew those things. And I even thought, I'll just start changing on my own. And then I went through this fan or follower study. And pretty much what it is, is it compares Christians to a sports fan. And who's a Chiefs fan? I know they're in here. Because my goodness, you guys are loyal. Through and through, right? So... Chiefs fans, you know them because they're driving north with the little flags hanging out the window, right? Got the little sticker. They're cooking the hot dogs. Not, and, and, and please know, I'm not, not trying to make fun. It's just you Chiefs fans are loyal. We all know that. Could they have the worst season ever? Still going to have Chiefs fans, right? But they're fans. That's all. Some of them might say they follow them and they have season passes wherever they go, but they're fans. They wear the clothes. They have the. Uh, they go to the you know the games. They watch them on TV. They, you know, all this stuff. They're fans. They're sports fans. And so as Christians, it's easy to be fans 
of Christ. It's easy to appreciate having a Savior. It's it's easy to go through the motions like we've already talked about. But a true follower of Christ is a whole different story. A true follower is willing to say, Jesus is Lord. Let Jesus come in and have authority over our life. And so in this study, it talks about a uh, married couple and they're getting ready to go on vacation. And so they go on vacation and there's not this nice, uh, young, freshly married couple. Remember, no offense. No offense to anybody else that's newly married. <laughs> I, knew I, could, I knew I could say that to them. So, yeah, so let's put the fence down. Okay, so there's this couple. They're getting ready to go on vacation, extended vacation, gone for a few months. They have this young married couple come in. And uh, they kind of tell them how their house works. You know, the cat litter probably needs to be changed out every couple days. Otherwise, it fills up. The dog's food is here. Please water the plants because uh, they're going to die if they don't get a little bit of water and, you know, set in the sun. And just kind of the rules of the house. We all have those house. Kind of way our household functions, right? And they're all excited. They're like, yep, got it. Thanks. Have fun. So they were, they, they're confident. They're like, great. So this couple... They go on their extended vacation. They come back. First thing they see is that the trash is piled up because they didn't take it to the curb. They see all their plants dead. They see the litter box overflowing. Their dog's hungry. And they're looking around like, did we not give them instructions? And then, and then they're surprised because they go inside and the young married couple, they're excited. Like, oh, we're so happy you're here. Because you know what? We loved your little book you gave us. We loved the instructions you gave us. In fact, we invited people over so that we could read them to them. In fact, we memorized them just so that we would know them in case we lost the piece of paper. But they didn't do them. They had no action in fulfilling what the instructions said. So, us as Christians, do we not have our B-I-B-L-E, our basic instructions before leaving earth? But how easy is it to not do it? To not let Christ have authority in our thoughts, in our minds, and all those things. And so, everybody probably in this room, has certain verses that have spoke to them. Spoke to a way that uh, I would call them like a life verse. Whenever I think about actions versus speech, think of James 2.26. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Talk is cheap. You kind of have to do it. Whenever our day comes, we don't know when that day is going to be. When our day comes, do we want to say, God, we had good intentions? Or do I want to be able to stand there and hear those words? Well done. Good and faithful. 
is you took action. You read, you learned, and you did it. Told you about getting the chance to uh, do a little mini Devo at work with my uh, management team and the owners. <clears throat> we have devotion devotionals that we pass out, and this is usually kind of what I uh, try to hit on because I think that the guys might be reading them or something. But there's a couple that stood out to me this week, in fact. And this is when I was talking about I was getting pulled in all different directions is when I went to work Monday and I read uh, the devotions. I had to catch up a couple days. And... Uh, Sure enough, God said, there you go. Now backtrack and get started. And so I did. So it says, three biblical rules for success. Who likes to be successful? I hope everyone, right? I hope that we have a desire in life to represent Christ in a way where we are successful. Maybe not financially or anything, but as Christians, successful Christians in our day-to-day lives. So it gives three easy steps. It says, one, Look it up. So, because of that is why you got bombarded with all kinds of scripture, because I looked it up. And I just kept looking it up and looking it up, and I got a whole page of notes I didn't even add, because I figured you guys would get sick of getting <laughs> hearing a whole bunch of verses back to back, so I cut it back a little. So look it up. It says, and I don't know where they get these numbers, but I'm going to read it as they say it. Um, I don't know where they get the numbers. They don't say. But it says 90% of Americans own a Bible. 50% never read it, including 23% of all followers of Christ. And only 18% of these read it every day. Imagine going to a doctor when you're sick and getting a prescription that can make you well. But you only take it once a week or when you feel like it or not at all. Would you blame the doctor for not getting better? You shouldn't, but I think maybe the world is, and, and Satan wants us to think, yeah, blame them, push that blame, right? Doesn't that sound like something that the world would say? Oh, yeah, that's a doctor's fault. Not even listening to what they said? Second, let it in. Joshua 1a says, meditate on it day and night. Before you can meditate it, you got to read on it. You got to read it. Meditate it. Meditate on it. And third, live it out. Yes, study the Bible, meditate on the Bible, and even memorize the Bible. But if you want to find success in your life, you must obey the Bible. You must translate truth into action. No one can guarantee you success except God. And and that guarantee is found in reading, meditating, and obeying His Word. That sounds simple, and it sounds easy to do. But why don't we? You know, you know, one of the, I'm just going to be very transparent. One of the reasons I was excited to hear that I was going to get to teach Sunday school again is because I was in the Word a lot. I didn't, I made it my priority. Isn't that crazy? It takes actually getting a chance to uh, speak before I'm digging in the Word like that. And I think that's why God spoke to me so much that this was an inward thing that I needed to do. I needed to study because that's what I need to do right here. Get in the Word, meditate on the Word, and live it out. So another life verse that I would say probably has been ingrained in me that I think about very often is Luke 9, 23. 
And then he said to them all, whoever wants me to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross daily and follow me. Do you know that verse is also in uh, Matthew and Mark, but they did not use the word daily? Luke's the only one that said daily. I think that's because it's important. Daily. So here's my statement. From what I have read and how I understand, it is for us to call Jesus Lord, we must be willing to take action and surrender all to Him. So when I think of surrender all, there's a a pinpoint in time that I think about. And uh, I'm going to start this story by saying this. I am very blessed because my time overseas, I never had to pull that trigger. I'm very blessed. I don't have to worry about my mind. I don't have to worry about uh, things. I mean, still some things, but not like crazy, right? Because unfortunately, I got buddies that can't say that. They're good. They're solid. But I know they think about stuff. So I didn't have to. But there's one moment in my career, a little backstory. Those of us who remember going into Iraq and... Uh, you know, pretty much the government was gone. One of the first things that had to take order, and it took a couple years, we had to get, they had to get a new government, and so they had to have an election. So the first elections, this would have been 2005 sometime. Um, I can't remember the month, but it was, I was there in 2005. <laughs> That's why I know that. So uh, I just turned 19, got over there, there two or three months, and I turned 19. And so I was a young, overconfident, thought I was bulletproof guy. And I, I probably wouldn't want to be around me if I met me today. Um, but I soaked it all in. I wanted to be that hero. I was volunteering for every mission that was going outside the wire. In fact, uh, I respect uh, you guys. He might not even know this, but I'm going to name drop him. Dave Parks, you guys probably know him. He finally said, quit volunteering. He was my first sergeant. He said, I'm not going to look your family in the eye if you don't come back. I respect him for that. But anyway, we were volunteering. So I got put on an extended roving patrol. That's a fancy way of saying we drove around in the desert in Humvees in the middle of the night. That's all it is. Just drove. We had a sector. We drove around looking for people who weren't supposed to be there because they had a curfew. During this election, there was a lot of stuff going on, a lot of crazy stuff. The, the, the car bombings were starting to get big with cell phones, remote detonating and stuff like that. So they're filling us for all this stuff. We're getting briefs every time we go out of all this stuff that's going on. So we're kind of amped up. And it's 2, 3, 4 in the morning. I can't remember. We were at night. And all of a sudden, there's this big old dump truck just cruising through the desert. First of all, they don't just drive through the desert in that park. There was nothing there. We were ways away from town. It's like... He's up to no good. So, sure enough, we did our job, cruised over there in Humvees. It was something pretty cool, like in the movies. I mean, it was, it was fun. So we get him, and we pull him over and all this stuff. And this guy, was I was uh, attached to the security forces uh, that were around our base. And, and uh, he says, get out, you know. And, and he pulls me over, and he says, hold him at gunpoint. We're going to search it. He was supposed to have already given up everything. I'm shaking. <laughs> oh, I'm like, okay, you know, and this guy's standing there. He knows he's busted. I mean, there's like eight of us. 
And he's by himself. And he, you know, he threw his keys and everything, and he was scared. And, and my orders, Pastor Landon, will you come up here? My orders were if he moves, you know what to do. And so we're in the middle, of, it's dark. I mean, super dark. It's the desert. There's no lights around. There's no towns around. So Pastor Landon, stand there like this. No, remember, I didn't pull the trigger. But I'm standing there about this close. Wouldn't have had to aim, wouldn't have had to do anything. And I'll never forget this guy looking at me just like this. And I knew that he knew that it could be his last breath. We didn't talk about it. I couldn't understand him if we did talk about it. But we knew. And luckily for that guy and me, he gave up everything. He didn't keep a cell phone. He didn't keep a detonator. He didn't keep a weapon on him because it would have changed both our lives forever. Thank you, Pastor Lane. And so when I think of surrendering all, I instantly think of that. And I tell you that story because I want you guys to think of what it means to you to surrender all. What does it truly mean to be able to give it up Lord, I give you control of my thoughts. I give you control of my heart, of my speech, of my marriage. Lord, I give you control of my finances. And so I'll probably, as long as I'm in my right mind, never forget that moment. And I'm thankful. We had to let him go. (laughs) That's crazy. We had all these rules of engagement. We couldn't do anything anyway. So he's like, on his way. (laughs) Uh, So it was one of my life-changing moments. It amounted to nothing because he just probably went and did whatever he was up to no good doing. (laughs) Um, But anyway, I did find out, commercial note, if you... (laughs) I know how they smuggled stuff because they'd show up with a whole pile full of manure. <laughs> we didn't get dig down in there. I'm like, yep, come on. <laughs> anyway, it's probably the same guy. Um, but that's what it means to me. That's what it means to me when I, when I think surrender all. And I, uh, you guys all know, know the song, All to Thee I Surrender. And we have to give up that selfishness before we can truly say, yes, I declare Jesus is Lord. So some of the things that I think of that might stop us in our past and maybe even right now, you guys are probably thinking, I'm thinking as I'm talking, uh, things that I haven't been able to give up, things that uh, my wife already kind of gave it away, the whole, uh, sometimes I get angry easy. Uh, um, God's working on me just as we're talking God's working on me it's like you got to be able to live it out before you can even talk about it and so one thing that came to my mind was trust do we trust God another thing that came to my mind is am I willing to give up that control and am I worried see I think finances is where I worry I think that's where God says it's time You've given up a lot, but it's time to give up more. And, and, and maybe uh, you guys are right there with me. Sometimes it's hard to not worry. But you guys know what Scripture says. i got about five of them I'm not going to read because you guys already know. 
We're not supposed to worry about tomorrow. We're not supposed to worry about anything. We're supposed to let God take care of it. That's what it means when we say, Lord, take control of my life. I surrender all to you. Another thing I think about is our habits. Who's ever quit smoking, quit chewing, quit drinking? Our habits are hard to quit. I'm blessed. The Holy Spirit came in my life. One day, it was all gone. I find, uh, as I talk to people, they're like, yeah, you're crazy. (laughs) That's not possible. But it is. Because whenever the Holy Spirit got a hold of me, I said, I'm all in. I said, I don't want to hold anything back because I know what it means to have my life on the line and know that it matters what we do here. And so uh, whenever people talk to me about, uh, you know, going to church or being in the Word, and I always, you know, if, I don't, if, if they say they don't go to church anywhere, I'm like, oh, you can always go with me. But hey, at least read the Word. Well, you know, my grandpa does. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm not sure that counts. But they don't understand that because they're outside in the body, right? We need to bring them in and let them understand. So when I think about our basic habits, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard whenever we're around those certain people at work. Sometimes it's hard whenever we're around those certain people at home. But if it is stopping us from growing in the word and taking that time to do it, maybe we need to evaluate what it is we're spending our time doing. (laughs) You guys know what a hot wire is? We're all live in the country. We're, if you go by my house, I look like a redneck. I got my yard hot wired off because there's more grass in there unless I have to mow. And I got two horses and two donkeys. That I got too many donkeys. And they're hay munchers. That's what they do. They eat, right? Anyway, I switched them from one side to the other. And I could not get my horse to cross over the electric fence. It was already away from it. But it was an area about this big. He wasn't going through because he knew that every time he put his nose close to there, it hurt. Every time. And so I think about that with our habits. We stay away from things that hurt us, right? But it finally took me convincing him. It was not pretty. Finally, we convinced him to go through. And once his head got through, he shot out there. He was happy. He was free. Life was good. And I say that because, you know what? When God takes away some of those things that we're struggling with, when he, we give him control and he takes it away, you know how nice that is? It's awesome. I remember that day because I, you know, was always a bigger guy. But I remember I felt like I could run faster and jump higher, literally, because that burden was gone. It was awesome. So if the praise team is uh, able to come up. Some of the things that I think about whenever we're talking about surrendering all. Probably at some point or another we gave our life to Christ. Probably at some point or another we've been challenged in our Christian walk. And probably some point or another, we've had to make another decision whether to go the worldly route or go back and follow Christ the way we are taught. And in that decision process, one of the things that is 
uh, I, okay, just back up. I've done both. I've been challenged, and I think, oh, yeah, that way does sound better. Or I've been challenged, and I dig, get, dig in the Word, and it's like, oh, God, thank you. You took control of that. You gave me that answer. And so whenever we go from point A to B, if you guys are in motive matter, that's a red thing, A to B. Point A to B, and there's a decision in there, what do we do? Do we go off of our worldly thoughts or talk to our worldly friends or take uh, advice from the news or what, you know, what do we do? Or do we get in the Word? So that's the challenge. Look it up. Meditate. Let it in. Look it up. Let it in. Live it out. So as these guys start to play, I want us each to be thinking about what it is in our life. Romans 12, 2. I'm going to go back to that one. The whole verse is, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I'm going to add, in our life. In our lives. So when we're in the Word, we're meditating on the Word, and we're acting out the Word. If there's anything that we need to give up, now's the time. If there's anything that we need to lay it all down and surrender all, now's the time. And if there's anything where we need to die to self, pick up our cross daily to follow Christ so we can stand up with pride and say, Jesus is Lord and declare it in our life, why not now?